Liverpool 3 0. Call it, take it quickly, Origi! Yeah! Yeah! <laughs> Hello, and welcome to the very first episode of the Anfield Central podcast, a brand new podcast made by fans for fans that aims to bring you the latest news and opinions on the Premier League champions. Liverpool FC. It doesn't get old hearing that, does it, James? <laughs> no, it doesn't. <laughs> my name's Luke, and I'm pleased to welcome my co-host James to our first ever show. We were hoping to be joined by our colleague Mike as well, but the pesky South African government have scuppered our chances <laughs> with that one. Um, but hopefully <laughs> we'll hear from him uh, in future shows. But before we get stuck in, I think introductions are in order, really. So, James, why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about yourself? When did you first fall in love with the Reds? What's your best Liverpool FC memory? Who's your favourite ever player? That kind of thing. Uh, okay, so uh, my name's James. I'm 26. Uh, first fell in love with Liverpool around the, the Gerard Houllier era, the 2001-2002. Yeah. Uh, being born in 94, I was around seven, yeah, seven, yeah. eight when that first happened. So probably the first first ones I mentioned first era I mentioned uh, yeah. that I remember um the Michael Owen FA Cup final uh yeah, it's probably the one. first yeah it's probably the first game I remember so yeah um favorite game uh I think it's going to be hard to top Istanbul yeah it's between that and the Barcelona 4-0 um I don't yeah. think anything's going to come close they're the two close big ones aren't they yeah 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 you can throw the Dortmund one in there as well, but with it being Champions League nights, I think it's different to Europa League. Absolutely. They're the, they're the two big ones. And favourite player? Um, whew, I, I think we might have a similar one as well. If it's, uh, yeah. It's be the obvious you, don't, one. you don't want to sound too obvious by saying, obviously, Steven Gerrard. Um, growing up at first, it's a bit controversial these days, but Michael Owen. Yeah. Before really, he at the beginning. The yeah, before he left, because obviously he was... Growing up, late 90s, early 2000s, he was plastered everywhere. Liverpool, he was breaking records. He was on cereal boxes. <laughs> he was, he was, wasn't he? He was, every, he was everywhere at one point. Um, uh, but probably going off, trying to take a different route from Gerard. probably go Xabi Alonso. Classic. I just, yeah, I just think he didn't. I think you'd noticed him when he wasn't there more yeah. than you'd noticed him when he was on the pitch because... He just made everything tick. He gave Gerard the license to push forward. He did all the defensive duties. And then Rafa tried to sell him and swap him for Gareth Barry. Yeah, and then we get Alberto Aquilani. So. <laughs> that's when the banter era started, really. Yeah, that that's that's really when it all started. <laughs> well, like I said, very similar for me. Um, I kind of fell in love with football, really, before I fell in love with Liverpool, which is probably a little bit controversial in itself. The... European Championships 2004, that England team that had, you know, Beckham, Rooney, and Gerrard, that was kind of what got me into football initially. I was probably about nine or ten years old then. But then following that tournament, I really kind of watched every Liverpool game from that from that onwards because my mum was a big Liverpool fan. She's obviously a 70s baby, so when she was young, it was kind of the teams of the 80s um, where we were winning absolutely everything, European yeah, yeah. League titles for fun. So my first season following Liverpool was actually 0405, which was a lovely one to start with. I thought, is it going to be like this every year? <laughs> uh, that Champions League run, you know, the games against Leverkusen, Juventus, Chelsea, the ghost goal game, they were really my kind of first introduction to football. So as I said, I thought this is going to be easy sporting, you know. <laughs> um, 
And then uh, Roy Hodgson comes in. And Roy Hodgson came in. <laughs> yeah, crushed everything. Um, but, but yeah, and then same game. Like you said, it's the same two that you said as well. Istanbul or the Barcelona game, take your pick. Istanbul, it was tears at halftime, tears at full time, but different reasons. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> watching, you know, Dudek save that penalty against Shevchenko. It, and then Gerard lift the trophy. That was really my first kind of wow, this is what football should be like every week. <laughs> it really was a tale of two different sides for Jersey Do that, that night because the first yeah. half was the, the main part of his Liverpool career where he's probably a little bit average. And then he just has that one-off you know, performance of the extra time and penalties. And, and now you think of Jersey, if anyone says his name, you just remember that save, that, that, <laughs> that double save Shevchenko, which was, I still don't know how he saved the second one, to be honest. I don't know how he takes credit for it <laughs> because the second one, I don't think he has any, but, any idea not, what's going on. Uh, and then from the current squad, I guess, my favourite player from the current squad is actually Jeannie Vinealdum, which is probably a little bit out of left field with the great, team we've got at the moment I just think he's so criminally underrated what he does that job he does in that midfield over the last kind of four or five years has been absolutely integral to the way that Klopp likes his midfield to press and it gives the fullbacks license to bomb on but I think we'll talk a lot a bit more about Genie later in the show when we address yeah. that contract situation so let's get started with the main show and well what better time to launch a new podcast on, on the eve of a Liverpool Manchester United <laughs> flash um there's not really any we put a thing out on social media earlier asking um our followers whether this is the biggest game of the season for Liverpool and I think there's not really any arguments it's got to be hasn't it yeah I I think the way they're playing at the moment makes it a much bigger game than what it yeah. is I think the last I think since Moyes took over I think Van der Gaal had the, the better over us a couple of times, uh, but definitely the Moyes, Mourinho, um, and now Oli. Obviously, Oli, I wasn't nervous going into these games. You just thought, yeah, it's it's you know, they're going to pack the bus. If you get one, then they're going to have to counter-attack, and then that opens up the floodgates. You start getting two or three. Um, but I don't know, the runner form they're on at the moment, it, it does kill you to say it is a little bit worrying. The momentum seems to have fallen their way, doesn't it, which quite often in title races of years gone by, once you get the momentum, you, you kind of, you know, you can feel it building, which is the, yeah. the concern, I guess. But there's still a lot of football to be played. It's very tight up there at the top. From first down to maybe even seventh or eighth, it's very, very close. I mean, Everton went, was it one point behind us they are now? And yeah. They've got another game postponed at the weekend. So that's two games in hand they've got. And, a, you know, if we don't manage to get the win on Sunday, they're... There's a chance to take it over. Yeah, so it, it is. It is a really, really tight season, which doesn't make this game any better on Sunday. <laughs> no, and we go into this one in fairly shaky form. It's been almost very un-Liverpool-like of late, particularly since Klopp came in. I can't really remember a spell of three games since he really got his feet under the table where we've looked so kind of, I don't know, I don't want to say average, but it's kind of, that is the word, isn't it? It's been very kind of pedestrian. Yeah, I think the only other time before I can remember this was when Mane went to the African Cup of Nations. And yeah. I don't think we won one game in January, but yeah, that's because we had nobody else to replace him. Whereas now you've got Salah. Um, so it's just the creating the goals has just been been a, a huge problem. I think Klopp came out and said that Alexander Arnold had coronavirus. 
Um, so that's where his lack of match fitness has come from. And you happen to play Henderson at centre back, so you take out his drive in the midfield. Yeah. It's just it's just one of those stages. And I think that one of the biggest worries for me is is the front three. They've um we talk we talk a bit a little bit later on in the show about the centre back issue, which has obviously been the story of our season yeah. with the injuries and stuff so far. But conceding goals we hasn't really been that much of a problem, despite the you know a million different centre back pairings we've had since since Virgil got that injury at Goodison. We've we've seemed to be all right when it, when it comes to you know the back four. I think Fabinho's obviously been exceptional, and even the young lads like Reese Williams, I think, has looked really good. Matt Phillips, he looks a little bit shaky against Newcastle, but overall, you've got to say he's done the best you could expect. But for me, that front three, especially the last three games, that West Brom and Newcastle draw and then the Southampton defeat, I think they've looked they've looked like individuals more than a cohesive unit that we're used to seeing. And I just don't know why that is. Uh, it, it is a tricky one to work out because this midfield, this front three was still creating chances with the midfield three of Wijnaldum, Henderson and Milner playing behind them. So it wasn't, there's no lack of creativity from the midfield. It's it just, I think that trying to do individual things instead of, there's a few moments where if they just look up, there's a, there's a pass on or, and I think Mane's going through probably his worst drought in front of goal at yeah. the club for the club at the moment. I think, I think he's gone about seven games without scoring six seven games it's very um, like him isn't it yeah for somebody who tied for the golden boot two years ago with Salah and Aubameyang he, it's just been a massive drop off from him this season whereas I think Firmino really has sort of stepped up his game um, in the last couple of weeks since Jota scored the hat trick it seems to be Mane the one who seems to have dropped off yeah J- Jota we've missed which is seems a strange thing to say if you, you know rewound six months you couldn't imagine that Jota was would be a player that we'd even have at the club, let alone someone who's he was so crucial in those opening months of the season. He seemed to be scoring with every every game he played. But since he's got injured, I, the front three haven't, you know, they've, we've just had to play the same front three that we've had for the last three or four years. So getting him back would be a big help, hopefully, at the end of this month, if not next month. I think the talk he, is... Yeah, it just gives you just another option, I think, over the course of last season and the season before that, you were sort of going, you know, who do you get to come off the bench? And then because he's made such an impact coming off the bench, you always thought with 20, 25 minutes to go. Well, if you bring Josser on and you play the four up front, yeah. there might be a few chances to come from there. But with him not being there, it's like you said, you won't have fought it signing him in the summer thinking, no. you know, he'd be the one we'd be missing. But it looks like it at the moment. And it looks even more of an awful decision to have played him in that Midgetland Champions League game. But I guess that's a... Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so team selection for this one, what do we think in terms of the front three? Do we, I guess we kind of have to stick with them. The only other real option you'd have is Shakiri, who I think looks bright in the cup against Villa. Um, he's had a you know few injuries earlier on in the season, but I think he's looked, we lack in creativity. Shakiri's a creative player. Yeah, I think if you've looked at him in some of Klopp's biggest games at the club, you look at the the Newcastle three uh, two away from home. He yeah. says it was his free kick that Origi headed in. The Barcelona game, he rarely played uh, at the back end of that season. Comes in, gets the assist for Wijnaldum's third, uh, second goal, makes it three nil. Um, so the only worry I'd have about starting Shakiri is is if it's not going well after an hour, 
then who do you go to? Yeah. You know, if it's not going well after an hour, you could say, you're right, we'll, we'll take Wijnaldum off and we'll bring Shakiri on for the creativity. But if you've already got him on the pitch, you don't really you have sort of, Yeah, you don't really have much to go to. Other than there, really. obviously you've got you've got Minamino probably be your next best best bet. Um or Oxley Rigi. Chamberlain, but yeah. he's only just come back. And the Rigi's kind of I think Origi is still kind of dining out on the 2018-19 season myself, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, I can't believe he's, he's still hanging around at the moment. But <laughs> Got that court hero status, but it's not really enough, I don't think, anymore. No, he he, uh, he started off bright at the beginning of last season, but he's just, yeah, it it's just seems to have, the star seems to have burned out for him. I think he's... Sometimes you have certain plays for certain moments of a season and he was the player for that moment. But yeah. since then, it's just not really worked out. And then looking at the back four, um, again, we've not got a whole lot of options. It looks like Joel Matip will unfortunately miss out. I think they're kind of just going to assess that up until an hour before kickoff, really. <laughs> but, but I can't, you know, I don't think he will probably make it. So then it's, do you go Henderson with Fabinho again or do you bring Williams or Phillips in? Personally, for me, Henderson's got to be in that midfield. Yeah, I think you've already lost enough by taking Fabinho out of the midfield. I think if you take another midfielder out, then it's just his drive, his distribution of the ball from side to side. He demands it in the middle of the park, and I don't think anybody else does that. So yeah, you're sort of limiting yourself there. I potentially would have gone Reese Williams, but the way that Grant got away from him in the West yeah. Brom game, I just think pace is not his fourth. Yeah it's, yeah, it's not his strong point at the moment. And with Martial, Rashford, Bruno going forward, I don't know if he's going to start Mason Greenwood or Dan James. So pace is a big worry. I just think with Nat Phillips, you've got someone who is ex- is experienced. You know, he's been alone at Schalke. He's, he's played a few games and he's recently come out and said, you know, he doesn't feel like a He's only just started playing in the squads because he's yeah, been at the pre yeah preseason the last couple of years with them. He said he feels like yeah. he's he's not a new boy. So I I'd go Nat Phillips to start alongside Fabinho. I think you need the height as well. I think you need the stature. Yeah. and I think that the Southampton game is a good example. When you take Henderson out of that midfield, and I, I think this you know before whenever Henderson's not in that midfield, you lose something. Whether it's just him organizing or just keeping people on their toes by, even if it's just shouting at the guy next to him, just to keep that kind of focus and sharpness. I think you really do miss it when he's not in there. Yeah. I think a lot of what he does, does goes under the rate, does go under the radar. And I was one of the first when he got the captain's armband to criticize and say, you know, he, you know, how's he got the captain's armband after Steven Gerrard. And you start to look at it and think, well, he's been captain at every age level with England so yeah. there's got to be something about him. And then when, like you say, when he's not there, I don't think we have a really good record when he's not played. No. I think I think we've we've drawn more games without him than won more games with him. So I think it's very hard, especially if you're putting him back. He's very vocal in the centre of the pitch, and if he's at the back, I, I, I just think if you put if he does start setting. And to back, I'm, I'm really not looking forward to that game on Sunday. <laughs> and then I guess there's a question of who, who comes into midfield because in the Southampton game, it was obviously Genie, Thiago, and um, Oxlade Chamberlain. For me, Oxlade Chamberlain, 
hasn't really looked the same since that injury that he had a couple of years ago. Um, then obviously this season he's barely, he's barely featured for, again for for injury. Kaita won't be fit, so then it's do you play Jones? But it's a big game for Jones. Uh, I think he's I think he's done very well um, in the main since since making his kind of breakthrough this season. But is he someone you want? He's not someone you want in this game, I don't think. Yeah, I agree. I think he played really well against Tottenham um, where in the 2-1 win. I thought he played really well. And that, I think that was his first big start for the club. Yeah. But I, I think now you've, this is a derby. This is a, this is a must-not-lose. And I, don't, I would not go Curtis Jones. Um, again, he's a creative player, so if nothing's going right after 60 minutes, 65 minutes, and him and Shakiri are both on, then you start yeah. to think, well, who do we bring on now? So I'd go Henderson, Thiago, and Genie. Yeah. Um, I know Thiago, it was only Aston Villa's under-18s yeah. uh, on Friday night, but even when he came on, he just... Just lose his class. Yeah. He looked different class, didn't he? And yeah, and that's gonna kind of what we're moving on to now. He's, it's not all bad news, I guess. I mean, he's, <laughs> he, he, even you know the kind of cameos we've had of him, some of the passes he was pinging around in that Newcastle game when he came off the bench, he came on for only about 15, 20 minutes, I think, and he was playing balls that, if it was no disrespect to Henderson and Genie, they've got their roles and they're very good at them. But if it was Henderson or Genie picking up the ball in the same position. It goes sideways. It goes to the fullback. It goes to the centre back. It doesn't go into feet on the edge of the eighteen-yard box. Yeah, I think it was the first goal that uh, Shakiri set up. I think it was the Salah goal, where he just he picks up the ball. He's got options behind him, and he just plays it in front. And Shakiri's in acres of space, and then yeah. it's it's just easy for them. I'd, I'd, Henderson's got a good range of passing on him, but it's not to the level as what. Well. Is what Thiago's got, and I think with Genie, I think he's better with the ball at his feet than than trying to. I, I think there was a mad statistic at the beginning of the season that he hasn't got a Premier League assist for two years. Why Naldum? So, wow. <laughs> yeah, so it's he's not really someone you'd look to to. Yeah, I think he does a very. Of, he obviously does a very different job for us than what he does in the national team. In the national team, he seems to be scoring every international break. It feels. Like. <laughs> um, but for but, yeah. his, he's more of a kind of workhorse in that midfield. He starts the press, particularly on the left-hand side. He allows Robertson to get up and link link up quite well with Mane. And, you know, if we lose the ball at the pitch, you know that he's there. It's a similar job that Henderson does on the right that allows Trent to get forward. Yeah, yeah, totally um, agree. And, but yes, but going back to Thiago, this is what you buy him for. You, you, you get him on a free for, you get him for these big games, you know, Man of the match in the Champions League final. He's won absolutely everything in club football. I think he's probably one of the, if not the most talented midfielders in the league. I think now he's back fit, he's got to be, you know, one of the first names on the team sheet. Yeah, uh, just can't disagree with you again, really. Um, I think you look look at his Bayern Munich career, he won the league every single year he was there. He's, he's just coming off a Champions League win. Uh, Barcelona wanted him back. In the summer, he turned them down to come to us. So I think it's not very often that we've signed players who are in the prime. Yeah, genuine world class players are in the prime. You look at Van Dyke, wasn't in his prime. Only a couple of years at Southampton. Allison only had a couple of seasons at Roma in the starting lineup. Whereas I think 
he is genuinely the first player we've signed. Definitely under Klopp, who is, you could say, he is in the top three in his position right now in the world. Yeah. Um, and I, I, yeah, I think he's just got to build that midfield around him and Henderson. Yeah, the only other real ones that you could think of, are you going back to you going back to Torres, and it was Torres even. He wasn't the Torres that went. He went on to be when he when he first came to us. He was very talented at Atletico, and I think everyone could see what he was going to become. But it wasn't until he came to Liverpool that he was a genuine, genuinely one of the best number nines in in world football. So yeah, it's probably is the only one that I can really think of. Yeah, I think the other one that people might think of is Suarez, but you don't see you know, Ajax. It's it's not the same. No disrespect to the to the Dutch league. It's it's not yeah. the Premier League, and yeah, I think. He's genuinely the first player that we have signed who is world class within his in his position and could probably rival De Bruyne for the best midfielder in, in the Premier League. Yeah, absolutely. Now, fingers crossed for positive results. Are we gonna have a prediction just before? Do what do you reckon? Uh yeah, yeah. I'm gonna go I'm gonna go two nil. Um yeah. I think looking how they set up against Leipzig in the, the Champions League. Uh, I think they started with a back five and just tried to weather the storm and it didn't work out. So I think if we could get one within the first 20, 25 minutes, they've yeah. then got to come out and attack and defending's not their strong point. So they will get another one on the break. So I'm going 2-0. I'll go for a, a scrappy 2-1. I'll take, I'll take that. <laughs> I don't know if you'd say it's a must win, but it's definitely a must not lose. There's a lot of football still to be played. But if they do win, that gives them six points honours uh so it's not it's not obviously an unassailable lead but it's not you know going to the second or third week of January it's not ideal yeah our run of fixtures are not looking great at the moment either we've got to play United again in the FA Cup we've got City on the 16th of February we've got Tottenham again uh next yeah. week lot two week time so yeah. you don't really want to be six points behind chasing United when you've got them games and City have got easy games. I think they've got Palace and Burnley is the next two games. So, yeah, don't want to be dropping any more points and chase them as well. So, now more generally, I guess the big talking point this season has obviously been injuries that we've touched upon. Virgil van Dijk and Joe Gomez particularly, obviously, it's in the same position given kind of the severity of the injuries and how important van Dijk particularly is to the team. That's obviously left us very short in the centre-back department. It has been well-documented all season with just <laughs> Matip as the only real senior centre-back and Fabinho having to go back there. And then the only other options are Williams and Phillips, as we've talked about. It seems with the talk is it's unlikely that we're going to do business in this window in terms of getting a centre-back in. Could this cost us the title? Yes. And I think that's the only answer that you can sort of give. Um you can't be naive enough to think that we're going to be able to compete in the Champions League uh, as well. You know, such yeah. a big competition that the club want to go deep in. I don't think the FA Cup's the top of the priorities. Not at all. Um, but, you know, there's another there's another half of a season to go. And if Fabino gets injured, if that Phillips gets injured, it's... It's a lot of what ifs, but those what ifs have happened this season. Yeah. Um, so I think it's very naive to think that we can win the league without signing another centre back. And as much as I think that Joel Matip is probably a little bit underrated, even by our fans as well, 
I think he's, you know, very, very good centre back. He's probably, in my opinion, actually one of the, the kind of best number two centre backs in the league. If you look at, you know, all the other kind of top teams, I think he'd probably get into a lot of them. But unfortunately, he seems to be made of chocolate and he can't, and he can't really, <laughs> he, he can't, you know, probably it's like four games on, six games off almost, isn't it? Yeah, I think, and I agree with the, the, the statement you just said there, how good he is, because I think where Gomez got injured in two seasons ago, and he stepped in for the full season. Yeah. Uh, we finished second by a point and got to a Champions League final mm. with him playing at centre-back. Um, I do really think he's criminally underrated by neutral fans and our own. Um, but I never thought he was injured this much. But I guess that's because we've always had cover for yeah. when he has been injured. But now everyone else is injured. You start to realise, oh, he probably does miss more games than what you actually think. Yeah. But it is his fitness worries are really are an issue. It kind of, you know, when we sold Dejan Lovren in the summer, it was some fans were probably quite happy about that because let's <laughs> say he was a bit of a divisive character and he wasn't, you know, the most naturally talented centre-back, whatever he might think about himself. <laughs> when he didn't think he was the best centre-back or when he didn't publicly speak, he would play okay. But yeah. the minute he would say, I deserve more respect, <laughs> and that's it. It was <laughs> He just knew the next game was a write-off. And I think that's right. When he, you know, had to make instinctive decisions, he wasn't always terrible. It was when he had, you know, the ball at his feet or... He had players running at him and he had time to think about what he was going to do. He'd dive in, he was rash. But you'd, do, you'd probably do anything to have him at the club at the moment, given... <laughs> yeah, I mean, I try to forget it, but the Champions League final against Real Madrid, you know, yeah. if you look at his highlight reel, and he actually played really well that game. Yeah. He, he put some big tackles in, got some yeah. big blocks in, threw his body on the line for the cause. And yeah, I'd, I'd probably, as much as I hate to say it, I would probably have Dejan Lovren back at the club just as just as cover. <laughs> Who thought we'd be saying that at the start? <laughs> and I think the other thing about the whole situation is that obviously Fabinho's had to go back there, and I think he's you know been fantastic. Really, I think there's a couple yeah. of games that really stand out. Chelsea at Stamford Bridge, I thought he did a fantastic job in Timo Werner that game. There's a couple of other examples I could probably think of. But do we lose something in midfield with putting him in centre back? Because we know he's one of the best central defensive midfielders probably in the world. How much of an impact does it have having him there rather than in the midfield? It it is it is a big difference when he's not in that midfield because he breaks he breaks everything up before it gets to the defense. So yeah. he's he's the last wall, and then that's when Van Dyke and Gomez and the two fullbacks have to get involved. I think when he's not there, we are more exposed because he just used to clean everything up. He's, you know, last ditch tackles, interceptions, and he's got a really good range of passing on him as well for a defensive yeah. midfielder. They're not usually the, the best ball playing plays on the pitch, but I just think we've made ourselves more vulnerable, especially on counter-attacks with him playing at centre-half than defensive yeah. midfield. Absolutely. And I think one thing that might go under the radar without having Van Dijk and particularly Van Dijk and Gomez, if you're going to say they were kind of the main centre-back pairing for last season, is a lot of our build-up play would come from, if it's a goal kick, Alisson would you know, play it to Van Dijk, play it to Gomez, they'd give it to the fullbacks, or give it to the midfield. And that would kind of be the kind of grounding that we'd start our attacks on. It would always start at the feet of one of the centre-backs. Van Dijk, we know, a fantastic you know, range of passing on him as well. Yeah. So if we needed to go direct. We were not afraid to do that whatsoever. And I think 
that that is something that maybe people not might not necessarily consider that in an attacking sense we've missed Van Dijk and Gomez as well. Yeah, I think the two main examples for Van Dijk's passing is the Mane goal away at Bayern Munich. Yeah, and the the Salah stunner um, against Chelsea. Yeah, uh, both just Van Dijk just pinging the ball to the right wing, pinging the ball over Mane's shoulder. So his range of passing, he, he could just completely bypass the midfield with his range of passing. So if, if teams are playing a low block, his range of passing was just eliminating five players out of the game for the yeah. opposition. And then you were just leaving your four defenders up against the front three with a midfielder running in, which tended to be Wijnaldum. But yeah, it's... it's had, I just don't know what to do without him. He's just, he is just that good. It, it's its just, yeah, it's horrible. <laughs> At set pieces as well, you know, such a presence. Uh, yeah, he's he started to, he's got a few goals from set pieces or he, he makes himself a nuisance. He's a big, big fella. Yeah. So he, he draws attention to himself when he's in the box and usually leaves one or two, maybe with a free run, uh, but just completely missing that this season. Fingers crossed that we well, I don't know if we'll get to see him again this this campaign, but fingers crossed that when he does come back, he's you know back up to his usual kind of high standard. Scouts, I guess, a little bit of a worry that you never know how players are going to recover from these long term injuries. Yeah, you look at Oxley Chamberlain, like you said before, and you look at the form he's been in since he's come back, and you think you know he's not the same player and the type of injury he's had. It's it, it can make or break your career. It, yeah. it can go one or two ways, but. I think the way he's looking on all these videos that the club are posting. You know, it looks magnificent. Yeah, he looks like he's ready to play now. <laughs> he's kicking footballs and running rounds in the gym. So he wouldn't have thought that in October he was facing a potential yeah. season-ending uh, injury. And I think the club are opt- more optimistic that he'll come back before Joe Gomez. I think Gomez yeah. is going to be a little bit longer. But even if we could just get him back for the final five games. It makes such even- a difference. Yeah, even just to have on the bench to come on for the final 20 minutes in games, he, he can be the difference maker. Yeah, especially if the league is as tight, you know, going into the latter stages as you'd imagine it would be. It's been this tight up to now. Um, that would would really be helpful. So I'm sure we'll see a new sense back in the club in the summer. Unfortunately, it might not be now. You know, the club might surprise us in the last few <laughs> weeks in the window. That'd be nice. Yeah. Um, but who do, who do we think that's going to be? So there's talk today about, um, at the time of recording, um, Miliato from Real Madrid, if that's how you pronounce it correctly. We've also got some stuff on our website about Ubermencho. It's from Leipzig. Uh, <laughs> these names are causing me to struggle a little bit. Um, <laughs> earlier in the window, Sven Botman was mentioned from Lille. David Alib has been linked, but apparently that's a note. Who, do we, who would you like to see? I think in terms of value for money, I think Militao is probably the best value for money the club are going to get at the moment. Yeah. I mean, it was spoken yesterday um, and it's on the website saying that his loan fee is just 2.5 million. It's nothing. And, you don't, and yeah, and, you, and Real Madrid is saying you don't have to commit to buying him. So even if the club just get him in till the end of the season and then they can sit down and think, if he's impressed, make a move. If he's not impressed, you just let him go. Um, that makes the most sense for the short term. I think for the long term, Upper Mencano is just 
probably the best young centre half in Europe at the time, and his buyout clause is I think around forty two million euros, which is yeah. again I'm not I'm not too good at converting, <laughs> uh, but it's somewhere in the thirties. Um, I, I I just think he would be unbelievable. I think he's going to play for France for the next 10, 12 years. And I, he's going to be one of those players where if you don't get him now... Someone else will. Yeah, you, you're not going to get him. It's like Werner. I mean, it's, it looks like a good decision from the club not to make a move for him, the way he's playing at the moment. But now he's at Chelsea, it, it makes it harder to sign a player yeah. like Timo Werner because he's playing for a rival club. So... There's a lot of teams in Europe who need centre-backs. You know, Bayern Munich are going to need a new one because David Alaba's going. United are obviously looking for one. Mourinho's been saying for the last couple of weeks that he wants a centre-back at Tottenham. So uh, I'd go short-term, Militao, long-term, upper Mencano. But if you said to me, you don't get either of those, but you get David Alaba on a free. <laughs> take that as well. Yeah, you'd, you'd take that as well. It's the experience he plays midfield, left-back, centre-back, can take free kicks. He's still, you know, only late 20s. He's not, you're not signing. Yeah. A, you know, like a Schweinsteiger when he went to United, he was about 33, 34. So, I, I, the, the, the lad from Lille, I, I think that was a smokescreen. Um, I think it was just his agent trying to talk up. New contract. Because, yeah, because yeah, that one just completely came out of left field. Um, but another one who's been linked today is Ben White from Brighton. Yeah. Um, who we were supposed to be looking at in the summer, but Brighton decided to keep hold of him. So, yeah, those are the, those are the two choices, Militao and Upper Mancano. I think every, you know, centre-back in, in Europe's going to be linked with Liverpool at some point come come the end of the summer transfer yeah yeah no doubt <laughs> but it's, say we do sign one of those up mencano or Militao or whoever it might be say one of those comes in in the summer what do you think that means for a joe gomez or john matic it's obviously van dyke's your number one man so if you get up mencano for example you expect maybe he, he'd probably be the guy to partner van dyke Is yeah that- that's that's the the issue you've got um but like you said when we started falling in love with the club we never had competition like this, so to have nice. some sort of competition is is nice. I I expect Joe Gomez to uh, to drop down to third choice centre back, um, and I'd expect uh, Joe Matip to take the Dejan Lovren role of we're just going to come in and play cup games, midweek games. If we've got a big Champions League game at midweek, you'll come in and play at the weekends. Yeah. Um. I think the reason we'd see Gomez in my opinion, drop down to third choice centre-back is because he can play right back as well. Yeah. So if you did want to give Trent a rest in, in certain games, you know, say you're playing Sheffield, if, if they stay up, if you're playing Sheffield United at home or some of the lower league uh, position teams in the league, I think he could play right back in those games. And I think that's where where we'll end up. I don't think you can sign a player like Upper Mencano and say, right, you're sitting on the bench. Yeah, I completely agree. It depends on the fee as well. Uh, if you're playing big money for a player and big wages, then they're going to want to play. And like I say, everyone's everyone's going to be wanting up Mencano at some point. Like I think it's been linked with like the Spanish giants as well. So he's going to yeah. have, he's going to have his pick of the pick of the bunch. So he's going to want to he's going to want to play games. Um, but it'll it's be pretty, good for, uh, yeah. Pretty much everyone in Europe knows what his buyout clause is. 
yeah. it's it's very well publicised how much you can get them for. So that makes it harder. Yeah. Finally, let's end the show with a bit of talk about Junior Wijnaldum. When is he getting this new contract? Is he getting this new contract? Uh, I hope he gets the new contract. Um, I've no idea. I think if we don't hear anything from him by the, the end of the transfer window, I, in my opinion, I think he signed a new deal. I think if he's going to go to Barcelona, I think they'll announce it in the summer, uh, in this window instead of the summer. Um, because the last thing they'll want is to face competition from, because they're in dire need of some world-class players at the moment. So I think they'll want to try and get that done. Um, it's just all about, you know, what the club are willing to offer. Yeah, We've got it. It's on the website um, that, you know, Wijnaldum wants his wages at, you know, tripling. <laughs> he wants to be on the Van Dijk, the Mo Salah money. Um, yeah, don't see that. <laughs> Yeah, it's a very un-FSG thing to do. What One thing we've learned from FSG since they came in is that their kind of business model, they're not going to be paying big money for guys at his age. They're very much about investing in, in the future players who are, you know, 20 to 25. Genie's been fantastic for us, and I really, really hope he signs a new deal. And I'd, But I do think if his wage demands are as high as being publicised, he may need a bit of a reality check if he thinks that's going to happen at Liverpool. Based on the guys above him, I think, like you say, Salah, Thiago, and I think Van Dijk are the top three earners at the club. I, he, I understand what he's saying. He's put a lot into the club over the last four or five years. He's played a key role. But given his age, he's just not going to get that kind of money. Yeah, I, I agree. There's When we see to get players up to a certain age, the club tend to do just say, just cut ties. I think, obviously, the exception is Milner. Just think you, because you can't lose his experience and his, his know-how within the squad. I, I think if you look back over the course of the trophies that Klopp's won and where the club have gone, I can pin pick five players who have played a bigger role th- than what he has. You know, Allison changed the club when he came in. Van Dijk changed the club when he came in. Mane, Salah. And, and Thiago is is a world-class midfielder. That's not yeah. counting the two full-backs, <laughs> Jordan Henderson, so... Or Bobby Firmino. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So, it's... I think... I understand it's his last payday, because I know wherever he goes after this at the age of 32, 33, he's not going to be on that sort of money anymore. But I think... Without Van Dijk, without Alisson, without the front three, we wouldn't be where we are right now. Yeah, I think if we didn't have Wijnaldum, I'm not saying we'd be as dominant as what we have been, but I still think there would have been a chance that, you know, we would have achieved something so far yeah. on, on okay. the clock. So if he, let's just, you know, say he does go and he goes to Barcelona or he goes wherever, how much would we miss him? Because for me, I've, we've, we've said it already in this podcast, for me, no one else does the role he does so well. When he's gone out of the team, if it whether it's a Jones or a Milner or even a Lalana last season, I don't think anyone has mastered the role he does as well as Vinaldum. I think if you look at Robertson's influence on matches when Vinaldum's in the team to when he's not in the team, it's so different because he allows Vinaldum, um, he allows Robertson to get forward, link up with Mane, contribute to attacks. So would we need to you know sign someone to replace him, or do you think the midfield options we've got now could step up? I think it will be a big miss, especially in the big games. 
think you look at Atletico last season, he scored the goal to take it into extra time. Barcelona, he scores two goals before that. I think he's got a couple against City early on in his Liverpool career. So, yeah, I think the big games, we will really miss him. Um, I think the hope is that Naby will be able to, to sort of slot in and, and and play that role. I just think the club have just got to be so careful with his fitness. It's I don't fair. just don't play him until he's 110% fit. If it means leaving him out for two to three weeks longer, just leave him out because you know it's it's he signed him for a lot of money. And at the moment we're not seeing any any you know repayment of it. But I think the club will have him in mind. I think with Kaiter as well, it's getting him a run of games in the team. I think at the start of the season, first maybe four or five games, I think he started all of them. And I think that was his longest kind of run in the team since he joined the club. Then obviously he gets an injury. I think he gets COVID. He gets injured on international duty as well. I think when he goes on international duty, he almost always comes back with some kind of injury just because I don't know whether that's Guinea's mismanagement of him because he's the star name of the team or what it is, but he always comes back with a nickel. (laughs) I think they're just, like you said, because he's their big star name, it's sort of play at whatever cost for him. Um, They've they've got to attract. I know there's no fans in stadiums at the moment, but you know, in the Africa Cup of Nation qualifiers, etc., you've got to try and you know get support behind the national team, and he's the big, big name to play for them. Um, I just think at the back end of last season as well, he played a screen where he scored against Chelsea um, at Anfield. Yeah. He he has got it in him, and he, he does keep the ball well in tight spaces like Wijnaldum does, and he's got the energy, and he's got the legs, and he can score so. Just wrap him up in bubble wrap if we're not if we're yeah. not keeping wide Elton. Fingers crossed that he kind of can get back fit and show us some of the form that he had at Leipzig because he was really the standout player. I think he won Bundesliga Player of the Season in the summer that we that we bought him. Or he was definitely up there anyway. Yeah, he played he played really well and he was played on the wing a few times for Leipzig as well um, because of his pace. But I just think it, it's I think for him now this season it's make or break for. Yeah. And that'd be, I think, if you can't get any more game time in three years in, you know, the club are going to have to start thinking about moving on from him. Yeah, asking some questions. And I think you could say the same about Oxide Chamberlain, perhaps. Uh, I think he, when he first came to the club, he gives us an option, a bit more of a goal threat from, from midfield, which we don't necessarily always have. But since he had that injury, I think he got that injury in the Champions League against Roma initially, then he kind of missed was it like a year almost, nine months? Came back last season, he chipped him with a few goals here or there. But then again, he had a big injury before the season started and he's only just got back to fitness. So I think there's a couple of players in that midfield where Kaita and Oxo Chamberlain particularly, it's going to be kind of question marks over now or never. Yeah, I think as well is obviously when the two centre-halves are back fit, you could... You know, you've got a midfield there and Fabinho, Thiago and Henderson. Um, so will you miss Wijnaldum if Thiago's going to come in and yeah. be his replacement? I know he's, he's not going to have the same intensity level as him, but you've got Henderson to cover that. So it's, it is going to be... I think it'll be an easier transition than what we think, but I would rather keep hold of him yeah. than watch oh, him walk away. Yeah, I agree as well. Fingers crossed he signs the contract but if not he's given us some fantastic memories 
every year. So we'll see what happens in the next few weeks. Now that brings us to the end of our first ever Anfield Central podcast. (laughs) But there's plenty of content still to look out for. If you keep an eye out on our website at anfieldcentral.com, there's always articles going up on there. And our Twitter page, at Anfield underscore Central, there's also lots going on there. So our next show will be released next Thursday, the day of the Burnley game. So we look forward to that. All that's left to say is thanks for your time and see you next week. No problem. See you next week. See you later.